You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I can stop their confidentials. Hey everyone, welcome to Stand Up New York Labs. The show is called Free Speech, where twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11 a.m., we talk to the best people in the world. And when I say the best people, I don't just mean the most interesting, but the highest quality human beings, physically, mentally, uh, most stimulating, most moral, just the best guys in the world. Like if you were to have a spaceship uh, and there's going to be an apocalypse, my guests are the people you would want on that spaceship to repopulate the earth. So what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so today we have John Joseph, um, Iron Man, triathlete, uh, vegan, Krishna, and one of the many things in his past is the founder and vocalist of the Chromax. Also wrote two books. I'm also not, wrote not two books. I look. He's not very dumb at all, actually. This guy. One of the most fascinating things about this guy is. He always has a new thing going on. Many just know him as the Chromex guy, but that's just a blip. He's got a great book out called Meat is for Pussies that is a sort of a machismo look at veganism. And his other book is his autobiography called The Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, which is also a real page turner. So despite uh, growing up on the streets of New York, the man is an intellectual. Despite growing up on the streets, I think that's that's where the intellect comes from. Well, you don't usually see guys with tweed vests and monocles in salons swishing their brandy going. <laughs> right. <laughs> I recall at CBGB's when the police would come in and start cracking skulls. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking on the way up here, John, a lot, a lot like the big thing with with punk rock, hardcore, and metal is the singer can't have grown up rich or middle class, even though Joe Strummer and Penny Rimbaud and a lot of the guys have, it's it's cool, like in metal, to have had a shitty childhood. Yeah. And it's also cool in politics to have come from the streets. And uh, Cory Booker got in shit recently because he lied and created this whole cool Newark world where he hung out with this dude T-Bone. Uh, and it's not true. But you should sell, right, your street cred uh, in meetings, like people can hang out with you in public, and you lie and pretend we grew up together. <laughs> All right? Uh, I'm sure they'll be lining up at the door for that. Well, let's try it. Okay, you ready? <laughs> yeah. Yo, welcome to Stand Up New York Labs. I'm with my homeboy right here, John Joseph. What's good? B3 Spofford, son. B3 Spofford. Back in the day, 78. Oh, fuck. This it was ill, right? Remember that riot in the that swimming was fucking pool? Crazy. Well, there's so much I want to get All to right, with we'll you because we had some crazy fucking time. This dude used to be psychotic, man. Mighty Whitey. Mighty Whitey. That's what all... The, uh, uh, one of the craziest niggas in New York was Mighty Whitey, and the, we we had to we grew up in foster care uh, when we were young. His dad was a boxer, had a tough life. And one day, when foster care, and we just go, let's get the fuck out of here. Like the streets would be better than this bullshit, right? Exactly. And we fucking we would just hang out. We would get high. Smoke dust. Smoke dust. Sell beat acid at Madison Square Garden. Oh, sell. Remember that dude chased us down in the oh, hall of this we, motherfucker. We, we thought he was. 
that we he we, he busted us for beating him, but he wanted more acid. Yes, well that the was big the guy, thing. big red. When we would sell acid at Madison Square Gardens, we went there because it was so populated that it would take a while for people to find us, and it would also take them like an hour before they realized it didn't work. At which point, boom, we're right. gone. What was that? That was like our three hustle rules, right? Yeah, three three laws of the street hustle. Number one, always believe your own bullshit. So you believe it's fake acid when that, you're selling it? No, you believe it's real acid. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, real acid. <laughs> Come on, get your skit together. <laughs> what was our other two street hustle? Uh, you got to get in and get out. Was that number two? I don't even remember. And then number three, you got you like it's got to be a populated area. But uh, that wasn't even the craziest shit we used to get up to, you and me. Remember fucking... We, we can't... There's, uh, there's uh, no statute of limitation on certain things, so let's not go to certain areas. Yeah, no, we're not going to talk about when we went upstate or any of that shit when we got motherfuckers eating our food and shit. But, uh, no, I, I want... I, even the fun stuff we can talk about is still fucking insane. Like, we went... John and I went to see Fear at... Uh, at Saturday Night Live. Do you remember that fucking 81, night? Halloween night, man. Holy he was the first guy to jump off the stage. I jumped off the right stage. Right on top of me. This, this motherfucker's freaking out. We told, what? How much damage did we do to that place? Uh, the paper said about 200 grand. The 200 next day. 200 grand. Cops ch chasing us through fucking rock. Although Lauren Center. Michaels denies it in the book because uh, he kind of fucked up letting... Uh, you know, fears this crowd come in there, so. Well, they pissed us off too by putting us upstairs for the yeah, first yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That fucking pissed us yeah, off. Yeah, that was that was not cool. That was John Belushi. I got a hand yeah, it to man. him. You was you were bumping red, doing rails with him, right? I was doing rails, and, and now I feel Ving. bad. And Lee Ving. Lee Ving. Now he's got a fucking ponytail. People Does change, he? man. I yeah. see. He, we just played uh, South by Southwest together last year. Fear and the Crow Mags. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. That's right. That you were cool. there. I've yeah. fucking run into you everywhere. Dude, I feel like I lost you, though, when, you know, we were brothers. We got in so much shit. We ruled New York, CBGBs, fighting skinheads. And then when you started being a roadie for Bad Brains, you got into all this fucking PMA shit. And I feel like that separated us. And maybe that was the only way you could have stayed alive because we lost a lot of dudes back then. Yeah. But I feel like you became... A different person, almost. I'm being serious with you. Yeah, right no, I, I feel you, man. From I the heart. You, but I, I needed to do, you know, sometimes you got to step out and do your own thing, and that was part of it, you know. I needed to uh, evaluate certain things, you know. We went through a lot in that foster home, and, uh, you know. Crazy shit there. Yeah, it's, you know, eating fucking dog biscuits, and, you know, at a certain point, I had to try to deal with that stuff no disrespect to you and the good times that we had on the streets and upstate and spofford and but uh juvie yeah i need i needed you know i needed to kind of you know do some inner searching man that and, and you got to do that alone you. like the crow mag say you come into this world with nothing except yourself yep so you know that was my own little uh you know it's like that lyric in hard times i wrote you got to organize your life and figure it out. Yeah, man. Thank you for that, by the way. I no apologize problem. for not giving you credit on the album. That wasn't me. That was Hot some times. other douchebags in the band and shit, you know, <laughs> taking credit for shit they didn't do, you know. 
Wow, this is hard because I'm already out of. I'm already out. All right, of let's break this. Let's break character. Meeting done. <laughs> beep beep. That Back was to good though. Middle class Canadian kid <laughs> talking to guy from the streets. Hey, I just went. So we just played Canada, and the dude was like, "Fucking everything's." Hey, it's fucking hey, 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 hey. Yeah. That's a Scottish Did you ever hear thing. the the the, the uh, Canadian alphabet A B C A C <laughs> E F G A? Canada was settled by Scots. It's all right. Scots because it's so cold up there. Yeah, they're does? the only ones who could handle it. We just played. It was uh, fifty-five below zero in fucking Winnipeg. I was like, great, great show though. I mean, sold out. All the shows were packed. Winnipeg is so fucking cold that when I meet people from there, I give them like the war vet nod. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was nuts, man. Fifty-five. Now that's Celsius. No, that was that was Fahrenheit with the wind. It was like thirty below, and then this <laughs> fucking wind from the depths of hell. And I was just like, get me the fuck out of here. There's so much stuff I want to talk to you about. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, the last time I saw you, we were having a a very meatless uh, smoothie and, at uh, at Pure Food and Wine. Yes, uh, or One Lucky Duck. To, yes, to, to go spot. Yeah, I don't even remember the name. I'm yes. just gonna say yes, yeah, whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, some dude came up. Can we talk about that? Uh, I won't say any names. Yeah, it's all right. Go ahead. But that's that area. Thirteenth Street is junky. Heaven. Well, all the meth clinics are over there. Beth Israel's over there. You got, you know, all the methadone clinics are in that area. That's so. what it is? I knew something was up. And then, you know, you walk into Union Square, which we used to call 14th Street Park back in the day. That was the drug supermarket. That was like the Walmart of the drug world. You had Max's Kansas City right there, so everybody would cop at 14th Street Park and then go to Max's and... But it's still like they junkies all go and get their methadone and pills and whatever the fuck, and then it's like a fucking swap meet in 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 Union Square. Now they're all fucking what? You, they're swapping methadone. Yeah, for real like methadone smack? values, whatever the fuck. I got two fucking Percocets. What do you got? You know, I always kind of walk through there and see them uh, negotiating. <laughs> they always do that. I saw one of those guys on Thirteenth, and they they don't get. The physics of a tripod, okay? Yeah. A tripod, like a triathlon, yeah. involves three, but they only have two, and they think they can just sort of balance themselves, and they do that thing where they go. Yeah, I call that the fucking junkie fucking limbo contest, because, like, <laughs> I've seen motherfuckers, like, go on, like, one leg, like, all the way the fuck down, and, like... Their head will be like an inch from the ground and then they'll pop. Up. Yeah, they never fall. I seen one dude and I was like, hey, wake up. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> well, wait, you know, no, the other thing was I do these walking tours now. It's been on, you know, I take people around to where a lot of the crime happened. Like every, like that douchebag fucking homeboy that used to, Glenn, G Greg Ginn from Black Flag. He's always popping shit on the internet. Turns out he robbed all the other band members. and But he was popping shit about my walking tour. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm coming to Austin, Texas. If you got something to say, you know, say it to my motherfucking face. So what was his beef with your walking uh, that tour? That it's like, oh, yeah, look at these. look Like, he didn't know that it was me. And once I told him, I wrote him, like, personally, not on the internet. And I was uh -huh. like, listen, motherfucker. Like, it's a crime tour. And... 
you know, like where all the old venues were Who and the drugs. Who fucking cares yeah, if, it's like everybody if you were got a some... 60-year-old rich librarian talking about where Gigi Allen died? Yeah. What is that? Sullying the beautiful memory of Gigi? Yeah. The shit-eating exactly. fucking pervert <laughs> who killed himself? Yeah, but he was, uh, you know, popping shit or whatever. But the, the reason I'm even bringing it up, I was on a walking tour and one of those crusty punks was doing the fucking nod and I walked by with uh, some people and it was like right by Jonathan Shaw's old shop, you know, Fun City, which is pretty famous. And then you had all the drugs on that corner, at, you right. know, St. Mark's. And there was the big shooting of the the Rasta uh, Jamaican drug deals by the Puerto Ricans up the block. So I was like telling these dudes a little bit of the history of that corner. And one of them crusty punks who was like on the nod, like hears it and goes... And pops his head up and he's like, fucking losers. <laughs> I was like, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. He's I was way like, cooler Yo, than was you. Sleeping in the fucking street <laughs> with his fucking crusty mutt pit bull and fucking. And they're taking pictures yeah, of him. Yeah, not him, but they oh, wasn't real even. Junkie. Nah, you know, the motherfuckers don't even really take pictures on my shit. It's kind of like. Right. I've seen it's it. Oral it's on history. YouTube. We it's on plug YouTube. It here. So you're still doing the punk yeah, rock tours. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to rocksoft.com, uh, I got one when I get back from my Ironman, like the 18th of April and then the 25th. So we go around, you know, to all the old clubs, the drug spots, the crazy murders. It's an art, crime, and music kind of thing. Right. But it focuses more on the fucking crime that we existed in the Lower East Side. Which is inexorable from the history of punk rock. Yeah. Because there was riots, there was brawls, and one of my favorite things about your tour is you talk about Sid and Nancy. Yeah. I don't want to give away any cherries, yeah, but let's well, have a spoiler alert. Yeah, Can you tell us about I, I, that? I mean, you know, I knew people that hung out with them back in the day, and like, you know, and even if you watched the documentary that came out about them, it said it was believed that two junkies were the ones that actually killed Nancy Spongin. And, you know, I won't give it away. You could take the tour and find out, like, more of the story. But it's coming from really reliable sources. And as a matter of fact, I even called out one of them on that shit. And he basically turned fucking ghost white when I said that shit to him. And, oh, you're uh, fucking killing me by not saying his name. Yeah. Big fat pig. Yeah, Rockets Red Glare. Yay, we got it. And another dude, which he split from the country, whatever. But Rockets, it was Steve Buscemi was good friends with Rockets Buscemi, Red yeah, Glare. Buscemi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Steve, I actually sang with the Bad Brains in 2007 at CBGB's, and uh, Steve Buscemi brought his kid, and he's an old LES guy, you know, he's he's got some fucking war stories to him, you know. Really? I mean, I was uh, a little kid running around over there, 15 years old, you know, going to Max's and CB's and fucking all the rest of the uh, spots back I wonder in the day. if Steve knows that his big, fat, gross junkie friend, who wasn't he, wasn't Rockets born in jail as a junkie? I don't really know. I think he was born I to don't a know junkie his mom in that jail. Much, but it was like, you know, I couldn't tell you. But I, I mean, my friend Googie from the Misfits, fucking the, uh, the drummer hit on Walk Among Us, is my boy. Audie Mack, and he fucking put a garbage can over Rockets Red Glare's uh, <laughs> head outside the holiday, which was a big hangout back in the day. 
in the 70s and 80s, everybody hung out at the Holiday right there off of First Avenue. Right. Fucking Matt Dillon, when he started coming down from Westchester, hung out there with the Toasters and all those dudes, the specials. Everybody, that was like the spot to go, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I miss so it, man. Old New York. There. Yeah, man. The kids today, they don't know what it was like back then. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm writing. I'm working on a, t- a piloted uh, a pilot for a scripted show right now, so it brings in a lot of the history of that time. And uh, you know, I was involved in the angel dust trade, so uh, I'm writing. I, you know, a, a, a show about the cop who was in charge of the task force to bring it down from '76 to '82. So I met this uh, detective. This is back when the cops were super corrupt, wasn't it? Yeah, except that he wasn't. He was one of the, you know, he was one of the straight up cops. And uh, my one of my boys now is uh, a detective in in Brooklyn. And he, you know, I I told him, you know, I'm writing this show and this and that, and because I'm writing it from the criminals' point of view, because I used to sell dust at Forest Park. Uh huh. You know. That's one of the reasons I got sent upstate, as you know, because yes, you know, I remember he was that. There, Lincoln Hall with me, and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, so you're writing it from a perspective, a criminal perspective of reverence for this guy. You yeah, think he did a good well, job of catching well, guys like you. I I I actually started out, <clears throat> excuse me, writing it from our point of view, but I found after meeting with this detective because I needed the police's which I didn't have, although he knew the people that I sold dust for. And I was like, I need to get the police uh, perspective on this. And then just when I met him, uh, I went out to Long Island because my friend, we've been, you know, I asked him to look around for like months, man. And he was like, dude, nobody was at it, you know, anything really that I'm talking to now to do with that, you know. Because he's in the 75th in Bed-Stuy. He was the gang gun uh, confiscation task force. In so the late 70s and no, early right 80s? right now. He's right, oh, right now, now. in Bed-Stuy. What a nightmare. There's that, a murder a day out there. That precinct is the murder capital of New York right now. And he was, you know, in that division. He's a great, great fucking guy, man. He's a hardcore dude. Yeah. But he's a badass. He's fucking, you know... And, uh, Hardcore meaning the music? Yeah, he comes oh, cool. to all our shows. That's how I met him. Wow. And uh, we just became great friends because he's not one of these, like, you know, there's that small percentage of cops that are fucking assholes that take the shit, uh, you know, they use the gun and the badge because maybe they got picked on their whole fucking life and now right. it's their way to get back at people. But I know so many cool cops, especially in New York. New York cops, to me, uh, and I've been all over the fucking planet, uh, some of the, you know, they're, they're just dudes that became cops. Not all of them are fucked up. And uh, Well, the older ones seem really funny, too. Yeah, oh, dude. So, <laughs> so but the bottom line was he was just, you know, had nothing for me for months. And my friend kind of wants to direct a pilot, and she's a big-time, you know, Comes from the scene, but now she's a big time filmmaker, and I told her Penelope to, Spheres. Nah, man. Okay. Way, you You're know. very secretive. They just really, really. I just don't like to name drop to the too much until you know shit's really happening. And uh, so she's like, "You need the cop perspective of this. That's yeah. what's really going to sell the show." So I was like, "Ah, you know." So then, anyway, he's walking around one day in Long Island and meets this fucking 
guys like, oh, you on the job? Because he had my friend had his 75th precinct. They start talking, and turns out the guy was the head of the task force from 76 to 82. So I go out and meet with him in Long Island. He agreed to meet me and do some research. After hearing the dude's story, I'm like, fuck that. Nobody has a better story than this fucking dude. Right. Well, you know? people see those cops as corrupt, and they think of old New York and Dinkins and... And well, this was Beam, and Beam in 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 the seventies laid off almost two thousand cops. Really, when the city was bankrupt, yeah. So the the cops turned against him, but you also had a lot of corruption in the New York City Police Department. The city was bankrupt. You had Son of Sam fucking whacking people. You had the fucking blackout, the garbage strike. I mean, New York was just punk rock. Anybody, was exploding. punk rock was it's just, just a great backdrop for dude. A show. That's the backdrop for my show. And having been there personally and seen all of that shit, the blackout, I was selling dust at Forest Park, man, and tried to get into the city to loot, and the, the cops had the shit already, the bridge already shut down. So, like, the 59th Street Bridge. But, you know, that's the backdrop for the show, and then you have all these different, like, groups of people fucking selling drugs and, and you know... I mean, it's a fascinating story, and, and after talking to this cop, I'm like, this guy's going to be the central protagonist of my story. Those know? guys were up against... People don't understand how insane heroin was in the LES. I interviewed some guys who said, we would get tendinitis from dealing all day because we're going money, smack, money, smack, money, yeah. smack. Well, they said they had a money room that was as big as this room that was just money from the floor, floor to the ground, and they go, we... Needed to get busted. We were out of control. Well, there was one building on 11th Street that was the number one heroin and cocaine spot in the United States. Is that States. the one they'd line up around the... Yeah. The, and then line up yeah. all the stairs? They called it the Red Monster, and they, they also called it... Uh, Ah oh, man, they had a fucking like vault built in the fucking building to like house the money and stuff. But uh, well, yeah, people would get robbed in the lineup on the way up. Well, not necessarily on the block because like the dudes would they would have enforcers out there with baseball bats. So like they didn't let shit go down on the block. But what you would see was when people walked off the block and they had two or three bundles on them, you know, they would get robbed for sure. You know, it was just. You know, it was a wild fucking time in New York, and, and one of the things I always say and one of the things I'm trying to bring out in the show, too, is that the crime and the music ran on, like, parallel tracks. Like Exactly, It yeah. was like you had all this crime and insanity, but then you also had all this amazing art, the birth of hip-hop, and, and all these artists, Basquiat, and, and all these guys that were coming out of this kind of environment that were doing... Like, really cool shit. And that author, the uh, poet dude, uh, Pineros, what's his name, who did the uh, New Yorican poet sl poetry slams? And he wrote the uh, movie um, that was uh, Short Eyes, which my, this guy Joe Carberry that I knew. And, and just, it's about a guy that was a fucking child molester that went to prison. And that's what they nicknamed him. So they were out to get him. And, Miguel Pineros, I think his name is. But okay. you had all these amazing people just coming out of New York at that time. And, and you know, like, it was so funny because, like, one of, uh, um, what's her name, that big time, uh, fuck, I'm blanking. We're getting older. Yeah, man. We're you forgetting see names and places. <laughs> um, uh, Rosario Dawson, when right. she did her first movie, 
I went to the premiere. Right. It was. I think it was one movie after Kids. Okay. And it was Seth Z. Rosenfeld did the movie. I think it was like King of New York. I don't know. I forget what the fuck the movie. It was something like that. And then this fucking beautiful girl is like, yo, blood clot. And I'm like, do I know you? And she's like, it's Rosario. Because in 1981, when I was living in 171 Studio, Rosario Dawson, her uncle is Shannon Dawson, who was the singer of Conk. And they used to come into 171 and rehearse. And Rosario would come there as a little kid and like, you know, just she kind of remembered me. And, and she I, remembers you as Blood Clot. Yeah, she that's my name is kind of John Blood Clot. So, <laughs> as a, <laughs> the worst thing you can say in Jamaican. Yeah, your menstrual blood. cycle. Oh man, I fucking I got in a beer. We just went to. I've been going to Jamaica for years, but I was gonna this fucking. I called some motherfucker, up, you know, a blood clot, and he was like pulled a machete. <laughs> so I was like gonna fucking fuck this dude up, but. But what's amazing about that, that scene is that uh, it, it just so few got out of it alive. And when you see these guys who did make it out alive and they're still fucking high, like I'm, I'm not going to name his name, but the ex Cro-Mags member that walked up to his last time and he starts talking about Krishna's shit and, and he's like, yo, goes around, comes around. Yeah. And I, and I it love it. He I was love saying, the- I need money, but saying it in a philosophical, beautiful Krishna way. Well, the last time I saw him, he was coming from the Methadone Clinic, and uh, he's like, I tried to avoid him, and I was like, and he was with his girl, and she like elbowed him, like, look. Money man, they just see you as a dollar sign. (laughs) Meanwhile, it's like, we don't even do the Cro-Mags that much, because we, you know, it's the law of diminishing returns. We don't, we try to just play New York once a year, go to California once a year, and do it right. Our shows sell out. These other dudes, right. fucking people, emptied the club out because they, they sucked so bad. Right. You well, know? you'll do Super Bowl hardcore or something, but you don't get royalties from nah, Cro-Mags You don't get shit. But, but when he saw me, he was like, yeah, like, when are you going to hook me up with some of that Cro-Mag cash? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm Cro-Mag like, cash. and then he's like, let me show you something, and digs through his bag of pills yep. and pulls out his Krishna bead bag. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, Hare Krishna, brother. <laughs> you know, but it's like all these motherfuckers are talking shit, but it's like we gave every single one of them an opportunity to do the right thing, and every single one of the ex-members of this band turned out to be fucking just with scumbags and robbing and stealing and talking shit, starting shit with people. We don't never have beef on the road. If we do, it's not, we are not bullies, but trust me, the dudes in this band can handle themselves and then some. But with those dudes, it was always a drama. It was always like the little man complex. Yep. Fucking Harley having to try to prove something that he ain't and starting shit all over the place. So we, when he quit, we were just like, yo, that's it. We, we're fucking done with it, man. And, you know, we let it go for a little while. Then we started playing again without him. Well, living and, in that savage environment, you kind of have to be a cocksucker to survive and yeah, to, but to you evolve be- beyond that, it takes with you. It took, you know, going on tour with the Bad Brains and and becoming a vegetarian and going straight. Well, here's the thing: I understand all that, but you don't be a cocksucker to each other. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Growing up on the motherfucking streets and from where I came from, uh, you know, there was honor amongst motherfuckers. Like you don't go burning somebody that. 
is your boy. Right. You might have to turn around and fucking jack somebody else up. <laughs> That's just survival of the fittest. I'm not proud of all the shit I did, but, you know... I had to jack motherfuckers up. That's that's the way New York was. Right. And but you don't do it to your own boys. That's where you draw the line. You know, it was you don't you don't fuck with the people that are your are your I family. You. Yeah. And that's why shit didn't work out. And everybody tries to be all nostalgic. You know, man, when's the you man? I, we, we tried several times to do the reunion with the original lineup, and it was just. One dude couldn't even play his guitar. He was so fucking high. And MTV's filming us. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was that fucking. Uh, it was the tramps. Uh, he had been clean for a while, and then he shows up. He for the showed show, up every uh... motherfucking like rehearsal, clean and sober. And then he shows up fucking whacked out on five bags of dope. Uh, and MTV's there filming the show, so he couldn't even play the songs. We had to turn him down and have somebody else playing all the fucking songs. You know what it is, and it, few people talk about this, there's obviously a fear of failure, but there's also a fear of success. And self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is part I've of it. You go, shit. holy shit, we're on MTV, this is a chance. He gets nervous and he goes, ah, and I just I mean, we didn't give a it. fuck about the MTV thing because, I mean, it was good, it was good, you know, it was good promotion, but it was promotion for the cause, which I did, which was feeding the homeless people. That's what pissed me off the most. We've been on TV... And our video been on TV, and we've been on Donnie. We've been right, but it was his way. It, it, for him, it could have been a rebirth. He's clean. It could have been a new Cro-Mags future for him. Exactly. And he and then, blew it because he's scared of success. And then I'm like, yo, you're gonna bring this dude across Europe and, and go on tour and have him fucking do whatever, or this other dude pull some bullshit on the road and steal like he's done a million times, Mr. Flanagan, who's the fucking biggest shit talker in the world. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 you know, it's just like, dude, who the fuck wants to be bothered with that? I'm 52 years old. I'm a su successful writer. I'm writing a TV show and a movie. I'm competing in Ironmans. Um, I got all this shit going on, and I'm supposed to fucking, like, just because somebody was cool 35 years not. ago, go back. Hey, and, you don't have to argue you know. with me. Yeah, I'm, no, not, I, I'm not pushing Harley on anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's it's just bullshit, and, you know... You know, and, and I mean, I forgave the dude for snitching on to, on me to the government, you know, for being AWOL. He tried to put me in federal prison. I, I, I forgave him for that. And, you know, at this point, and then the turn this is around. Harley. Harley yeah, ratted yeah, you yeah. out. He ratted him and him in Paris ratted me out to the yeah. government. I had cops knock my fucking door down looking for me. We're talking about ex-members of cro -Mans Yeah, so who, it's like so much grimy shit has gone down, but it's like the law on the street was... You know, you don't, first of all, you don't snitch. I, I went, I did fucking two years, almost 21 months because I didn't snitch. If I would have snitched and thank on, you for that, by the way. If I, yeah. I had just gotten married. I needed some time yeah. alone with the family. That was <laughs> I awesome. I mean, if I would have snitched on who I was selling Angel Dust for, I, I would have went six months to a drug program. But I said, nah, man, you don't snitch on people. So to have your boys, so-called boys, snitch on you, you know, I don't want to whatever harp too much on it but it's like you know the law of the street is the law of the street and to me that shit still applies uh you know with with everything that that yeah, i it's walk called around having character yeah and the thing is is like you know to me you have book smarts and street smarts and there's a lot of dudes with phds and degrees right now masters that are unemployed and can't make a fucking living 
And it's like dudes with the street smarts that can read a page or two are the ones that's really... That's a good point, and that's something I want to get to. I feel like there's an impasse when you get into your 20s where you're either going to go that way and be the dude with the Krishna beads and, and the pills or the guy starting fights at shows with a knife, or you're going to go down the straight and narrow and go, that's no future for me. And for you, it was, it was Krishna and vegetarianism, which is part of that. But why not Christianity? What's the matter with, with God? Well, see, here's the whole thing, man. You know, I, I didn't st- like t- it's, you know, I started out uh, with the whole yoga thing because like the bad brain sound man, J.W., you know, rest in peace. Uh, he passed away a few years back. Uh, you know, I worked at a health food store in 81 and uh, and uh, he started, you know, he's the one that actually kind of helped me get the job. And Vinny from the Dots, the drummer from the Dots, who was also in the Unsane now, Vinny Signorelli worked there. And I have just been reading a lot of books on philosophy. It didn't start out, you know, getting into the teachings of the Vedic science, you know, uh, until after I read Gurdjieff, Krishnamurti, Ram Das. I read, you know, Autobiography of a Yogi. I mean, I read probably uh, in one year, I read fucking 40 books in that first year. But, but you're not answering my question. Why not Christianity? Because to me, what I found in, you know, that, you know, kind of spirit, religion or whatever without philosophy is fanaticism. And that's what I found a lot to be consistent with. Oh, we don't know why we do this or justifying some bullshit that they're doing because, you know, they're quoting what was in the Bible or whatever. And to me, I'm like, spirituality needs to be very philosophical as well. So when you read the Bhagavatam or or the Upanishads, you know, which is the books of Hare Krishna really is an ancient, uh, the Vedas are hundreds and thousands of years old, Srimad Bhagavatam, the Gita is 5,000 years old. So when I started reading the esoteric teachings of India, that's what really, because it had the devotion and the philosophy to back it up. But isn't it better for pussy too? I mean, well, if, you're, if you say, I'm a Catholic now, people go, ew. But if you start talking about Krishna, you can get a, a lot more pussy. Well, I don't, you you know, to me, it's like, I never, see, one of the things I never did, and there was even a lot of corruption in that movement, was like, like I, the, the temple president in, in Brooklyn, or vice president, asked me to get rid of pounds of marijuana for him. So really? you had motherfuckers bringing their, yeah, this, this fucking African-American thug motherfucker, that took over the temple over there and ruled with an iron fist. And, 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 you know, I, I never, because of where I came from, when I got into my spirituality, I always kept those worlds separate. Right. You know, I never went to the temple. I always went to the the ashram and did the right thing. I never, ever, you know, went to the ashram and did bullshit and, you know... Well, there's hitting a lot on of chicks or whatever young the fuck. Girls, yeah. yeah, and young boys. You had fucking them molesting all the fucking kids in the Krishna schools. Because after Prabhupada left the planet in 77, these fucking people just, you know, they were just like fucking vultures waiting to just seize everything. And the, the thing about a sadhu, a real sadhu, and a real acharya which means one who leads by example is 
Prabhupada slept on the floor. Prabhupada cooked and fed everybody else before he ever took a grain of rice. Prabhupada was the most humble person anybody ever met in their life and the most giving. These people that took over were the fucking exact opposite. And that's why when I started uncovering, there was murders taking place, child molestations. There's a book called Monkey on a Stick. You know, you want to talk about another fascinating story that's in my book, the whole, you know, it, I, it's in my book. It's called Let the Scams Begin. And it's what they did, you know, in that movement, you know, after Prabhupada left. And it's just, you know, it's and they they just cover for each other. And still to this day, now they're selling the Brooklyn temp the Brooklyn Temple. And they they have it on the market. My friend who's a real estate agent's like, yo, they're trying to sell that building for like forty million dollars or something, Christ. which they're all gonna pocket and put in their money, in, right, in yeah. their you know, put the money in their pocket. So for me, when I got into it, I never, you know, I always kept my street life separate. My street mentality got left at the door. Gotcha. Let's put it that way. Well, with when you talk to people today, they don't. Uh, first of all. To young people, they don't. I have trouble telling them what punk is. Now I have to tell them there's another kind of punk, American punk called hardcore, that was kind of fast, more metally. Then I then I explain in New York, there was a moment there where the New York hardcore scene was almost dominated by Harry Krishna, and you'd have dudes with Krishna tattoos. Well, see, here's the whole thing. That thing existed, but the Chrome Eggs weren't part of that. No? No, we were not because we were into what we were into philosophically, but we were street first and foremost. Okay. And we wasn't like these other bands like Shelter and all these guys coming on stage with Harry Krishna robes. That's that's cornball shit. Okay. Like like I always said, they would hit people with a flower. We'd hit you with a fucking baseball bat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like that's what we came into because... And if you look at 99.9% of those people now, they are no longer into right, chanting yeah. or anything. They're off doing some other bullshit, trying to make money, doing trying something Trying to get else. laid, trying to get Trying checks. to do whatever, trying to get checks. Well, here, here's the thing with punk rock, and this is a lot of a cool rebellion stuff. And this is my pet peeve with it, is they replace traditionalism, and they don't have anything to replace it with. Now, in your case, you replaced Christianity with Krishna, and it worked out. But I see so many times that that same philosophy fail. And we're seeing this now with old punks. Right. And people like Penny Rimbaud, the guy who started Crass. Now, he's, well, he's, he, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but fuck it. So he had a cancer scare in his jaw. And I know him well. And he's going, I'm, go I'm, I'm seeing the top herbalist in the country right now. And I go, dude, that's fucking all bullshit. You need radiation to kill fucking um cancer and then i know you're gonna disagree with me but let me hear me out so polystyrene was another one she got breast I knew cancer her. she was a Hare krishna she wanted to fight it and didn't want the the corporate medicine she died uh uh Ari up she wanted she's big big into bob marley rastafarianism she changed her mind after all the natural healing stuff, tried to get um, a mastect mastectomy, mastectomy, right, whatever. Mastectomy. And they said, sorry, it's already metastasized. It's too late. And we keep having these, these you know, people saying, fuck corporations, fuck traditionalism, fuck the mainstream. And they're literally dying from them. That's how Bob Marley died. He refused to have his toe cut off. 
and the cancer spread up his body. Right. He could be a toeless guy alive right now. Uh, first point I want to correct you on was we didn't replace Christianity with Krishna because we rejected religion. So that's, that's I mean, I, I don't say like some people got into this, some people got into that. I mean, I like for me, when we were on the scene doing, I was the first one to ever go into a temple or chant or anything. Right, but you, so you rejected religion, rejected and then religion ended up saving you, a different well, religion. Well, I don't really consider it, you know, so much religion. I kind of, I think more of it, it was, it was a spiritual, a spiritual path, because I was doing yoga, you know. But it has, religion, the same way Christianity affects day-to-day, -day, Krishna yeah. does, like you're both pro-life, you both are anti-abortion. Right. Well, what am I supposed to say? I'm anti-life. I'm 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 against life. I'm I'm pro-life of unborn children. Of I don't tell anybody else what the fuck to do. That's I don't judge nobody, but uh, I I don't kill animals either or support or support the killing of that because there has to be a reverence for life on on planet Earth. And so far, if you see what these politicians and everybody else. I have done to this fucking planet. They just don't give two shits about anything except the almighty dollar. So, I mean, you know. That's true. I actually wanted to ask you about that, too. I, I was a vegetarian. But, but getting back oh, to this, you know, I think to me it's like if the cancer is really progressive, I, I, I would have to be in that situation. But... Uh, I know for a fact that there's places like Hippocrates Health Center that have cured people of cancer by natural treatments. I mean, it depends how severe the cancer is, I, I would think. But, uh, it, you know, I don't agree uh, that herbs and the natural way doesn't work at all because I can, I'm not saying that, but yeah. when it gets, you know, breast cancer yeah. needs the big guns. It needs radiation right or yeah. cut them off but yeah. you know Ari up as far as i'm concerned died of fashion she died because she thought rastafarians were cool yeah i mean uh it could you know that could definitely be part of it you know i mean uh and uh as far as bob you know that was another uh tragic situation where you know it was I, th I saw the documentary. I went to the premiere here because it came out during uh, the Tribeca Film Festival. And I went to the premiere and uh, they were kind of like, yeah, it would have messed with his soccer. So he didn't want to cut his toe off. <laughs> highly Selassie, highly retarded. Yeah, I don't think uh, I would use those words, but <laughs> it was... I, I you know, went, you'd have to be in the situation, man. I, I don't know, like, you know, what I would do. I try to live a very holistic lifestyle and and preventatively take stuff to fight what the fuck. This I, system of genetically modified food and fluoride and the chemtrails that they're fucking spraying all over this country and everything else... I don't I, believe in any of that. Fluoride? Have you seen Japanese and British people's teeth? Dude, they look like they look like puppets. I've seen some pretty fucking nice looking teeth in in uh, in, in, in in England. As Those were late. dentures. Yeah, that but if a... you look at the history of when fluoride was first put in the water, it was the American scientists went to Germany 
and started uncovering all the technology and found these water treatment plants. And the, the Nazis said that they put it in the water as a sedative. That's when America started the big fluoridation campaign, campaign in the United States. If you look at the real, I, I put the whole history in Meetings for Pussies because the fluoride that they're putting in the water is not the natural fluoride that's the mineral found in Earth. What they're putting in the water is a byproduct of, of the aluminum industry. That's what they're dumping in the water all over, all over this country. And fluoride actually creates holes in your bones. It doesn't protect but british people seem like bigger pussies than americans they're more politically correct they're more docile than we are we're more likely to fight back look at japanese they're total wimps what did yeah, they ever invent japanese i don't think they're wimps dude i don't even think the, i don't think the british are either british have more of a fear of embarrassment but i wouldn't say that they're wimps i know some they're tough more politically ass. correct I know than some we are tough brits that if you said that to them it wouldn't end up well for you i don't think British people are wimps at all. I could beat up everyone in Britain without okay. exception. <laughs> but uh, No, I, I agree with you that, that healthy living can prevent cancer, and there's no doubt that smoking leads to lung cancer. Yeah. But I just get scared when I, like, if you got cancer and they go, this is a serious tumor, I, w I would start panicking if you started having smoothies. I'd go, John, fucking zap that fucker off. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, if... I would, I would definitely get a second and third opinion because in America, it's also the cancer business. You know, you, if you watch a documentary called The Idiot Cycle, okay, you have the same companies. Here's a perfect example. All over the world, recumbent bovine growth hormone is banned. It's been linked 100% to causing prostate and breast cancer in women and prostate cancer in men. Proven scientifically, every country outlawed R R uh, RBGH. Okay, well, now we're getting into a matter of degrees, though. Everything can cause cancer. It's how much is no, in that I'm sure particular I make, supply. You know, let me finish my okay. point. My point is this. This is what I'm talking about, the cancer business in America, and that's what it is. It's a fucking business. Because Monsanto sold the patent of that growth hormone to the number one cancer drug company in America, Eli Lilly. And Eli Lilly now owns the patent on recumbent bovine growth hormone. So there's a great documentary called The Idiot Cycle. And if you track all of these companies that are putting these pesticides out and these chemicals and these, these food companies and all of this other stuff that's directly linked uh, to cancer... Okay, it's owned. These companies are subsidiaries. You say linked to cancer. Arsenic is is a poison, but people can drink it in small doses. It it it's how much of it is in. Yeah, but here's the thing. And and, and Penny says that too. He goes, he goes. Oh, the the pharmaceutical companies want to get rich. I go, dude. If honey helped fight cancer, Pfizer would have hectare field after field of honeybees. Working around the clock, like when off the bug spray, they noticed that Skin So Soft, this hand cream, it helped get rid of bugs. Right. Off bought Skin So Soft, and now they sell it in droves. If there was some sort of herb, let me ask you the pharmaceutical companies let would me buy it question. and be farming it. What is the world's number one drug right now? What's the world's greatest, biggest selling drug right now? I would now? guess it would be Viagra no, Cialis. absolutely wrong. You know what it is? No. It's Umera. Okay. 
And Umera is a drug that is sold that treats symptoms of a lot of the fucking what the genetically modified food is doing to people, causing irritable bowel syndrome, causing... Genetically the- not modified food. Norman Borlaug saved a billion lives with that corn, selling it to the third world. Genetically, what apples tasted like shit a hundred years true. ago. We made them sweeter by crossbreeding them. No, crossbreeding and genetically modifying something is two different things. Crossbreeding has nothing to do with what the GMO companies, the GMO companies like Monsanto right now. Okay, they are on a mission to control the world's food supply. Because they have invented technologies like Terminator seed technology where the plant produces no seed. If you really look at the history of these companies, Monsanto, Dow, Syngenta, and what they're doing all over the world, it's not about saving the people. It's about selling more chemicals. But wouldn't you make more money if you found a cure for cancer? Wouldn't you make more money if you found fast food that you could eat and not get fat? There's money in keeping people sick. That's what I say. And I'm referencing the genetic modified food situation on the planet right now. This has nothing to do with feeding the world's people because what we're seeing of these GMO is crop reduction. They've promised crop increase. Okay, the pesticides that they use like Roundup no longer work. Now they came out with something that has... I don't know how many of the compounds of Agent Orange in it that they need to use that now. So th- it's a toxic overload, and you're wondering why people are getting... There's more and more cancer, more and more heart disease, all of no, this stuff. No, it's just getting diagnosed more. Probably more people died of cancer 100 years ago. We just didn't know what it was. Even one generation <clears throat> ago, they wouldn't call it breast cancer because well, that was too rude. they just say she passed. According to all the research that I've done, <laughs> cancer is way more explosive these days than when everybody practiced organic farming 200, 100 years ago. They didn't diagnose cancer back then. They just said he'd passed away. Yeah, but if you look, these chemicals are directly linked to cancer. These, These chemicals... I'm not denying that. Look, I got... My uncle was in Vietnam and the shit they were spraying all over everybody. Definitely true. They, Monsanto told people that DDT was safe to spray on your clothes in the 50s to fight moths. When you have companies that their main business is selling pesticides, that's what these companies do. If you we, have pesticide producers making your food right now. If we had your vegan utopia... Wouldn't I don't. That... First of all, I don't use the word vegan in my book. I okay. call vegan the five-letter curse word. I say I eat a plant-based organic diet. And if you watch a movie called Cowspiracy, now they're talking about the water shortages and California's about to fucking dry up. Well, let's look at where all the water in California's going because 90% of it is going to animal agriculture. But wouldn't it be more fields we'd need if we were a plant-based economy? Absolutely not. Why? Go to California. I just came from there. You're, you're seeing fields of CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, with 150,000 heads of fucking cattle that take 660 gallons of water to produce one hamburger. But See, the basic physics of it is, if say you, say you have a home, right? Just one little farm, self-sufficient farm. If you have a pig there that you're feeding a, whatever to 
to feed you that protein, that's going to take up a lot less space than the fields you'd need of other things to, to feed yourself. Yeah, but here's the thing. That's the sustainability myth because right now what's going on with Earth's population, the only diet that is actually suitable to feed all the people on Earth is a plant-based diet. 89% of all... But we the, need genetically modified plants no, you to don't. pull that Why off. Why do you need that? Why because need they have to survive. Borlaug they developed survive. corn that could survive anywhere. Not from the research that I've done. That look what they did to Mexico's corn trade. Organic heirloom strains, thousands, five thousand year old strains. Monsanto went in there and totally ruined the entire Mexican uh, corn fields in in Mexico and created barren lands after they get through with their genetically modified crops. Nothing else grows on that land. They destroy the land. If you, if you, and the other thing is 89% of all the grain grown in the United States is fed to animals for slaughter. Now they're doing it in Africa. You got Bill Gates going over here talking about Monsanto's going to save the world because he owns God knows how much millions in stocks of Monsanto talking about this food's going to save the world. This food is not going to save the world. But John, if we got rid of meat... The only way we could sustain a plant-based, say, America, we would need pesticides out the wazoo to keep the, all that, that crucial plant life alive. No, that, I don't agree with that because I know farmers that, are actually, that actually have organic farms and they don't use chemical pesticides and they don't ruin their land. They know crop rotation what to plant when I'm not a farmer but I know people that are farmers and if you right now take a piece of organic fruit which is grown the way nature intended it to be grown not fucking with it it, it bugs will eat it overnight no that's I've not I talked to strawberry farmers and they said the customers were complaining when they didn't spray pesticides because the strawberries didn't look as good they don't they may not look as good if you look at an organic something that's organic yeah sure if you look at an organic orange but guess what it doesn't have dye sprayed on it it's not dyed it's not gassed well it's but also taste wise will just look, you can't grow strawberries without pesticides dude, that's vanish. not true I've, come on man um dude i eat organic strawberries for the last 35 years you're telling me you can't grow organic strawberries? I'm saying it's really difficult and expensive and takes all kinds of protections to get I rid get of I get a it. tub of organic strawberries like this for $4.99. That's about the same price as what the conventional stuff is. It tastes way better. It's sweeter. It's grown naturally. And it doesn't have a bunch of shit sprayed on it. And, and the vegetables don't have Roundup Ready and all this other stuff genetically planted in the seed. Do you know what? Do you know how these pesticides kill kill the bugs? Strangles them. No, it, it explodes their stomach and it destroys uh, it, their their uh, nervous system of the bugs. So you're gonna eat that, and then you're wondering why people are having all of these bowel problems and all of this. Since genetically modified food has been introduced into the food supply, 
snuck into the food supply in the 90s, you're seeing the increases of but all these digestion fast food. problems. That's, fast food dwarfs all that. All yeah, that and shit, what's fast sugar? food? What's fast food? 99% corn, of the fast food is genetically modified from the bread to the fucking canola oil to the fucking, to the meat. Every single aspect of fast food well, it's all is corn. genetically You're right modified. There, but and it's also deep fried. It's the fucking fat. And, and deep sugar. fried in what? It's deep fried in what? What's it deep fried in? It's deep Grease. fried in motherfucking canola oil that's genetically modified, so it's even worse for you. You know, I'm not... Me, I just look at things realistically, okay? I see what these industries are doing to this planet, okay? Before the Gulf oil spill, I got news for you. There was a fucking dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico the size in New Jersey because of all the runoff of the fucking slaughterhouses, the uric acid, the shit, the, all the pesticides running down the Mississippi ending in the Gulf. So that's all coming from slaughterhouses. That has to go somewhere. All that fucking feces, all that urine, all of those pesticides from those crops have to go somewhere. So where's it going to go? It's going to go in your drinking water. I mean, it's going to go, it's going to end up in the Gulf. So all of these people are complaining about BP, right, which was another disaster. But guess what? There was a much greater disaster ever before that disaster hit the Gulf. And it's, it's all from the, the runoff of these slaughterhouses. Look, it's not easy arguing with you because you've read more on, about this than me. So I'm going to cheat here and use my machine. Uh, here's a quote from an article that made me stop being a vegetarian. It's called An Animal's Place by Michael Pollan. And he's, this is just one paragraph from him. He said, The grain that the vegan eats is harvested with a combine that shreds field mice, while the farmer's tractor crushes woodchucks in their burrows, and his pesticides drop songbirds from the sky. Steve Davis, an animal scientist at Oregon State University, has estimated that if America were to adopt a strictly vegetarian diet, the total number of animals killed every year would actually increase as animal pasture gave way to row crops. Davis contends that if our goal is to kill as few animals as possible, then people should eat the largest possible animal that can live on the least intensively cultivated land. Grass-fed beef for everybody. Unsustainable. Unsustainable. And that is cowspiracy, okay? Watch the documentary. I don't care. Michael Pollan, he, he already fucking tried to diss my book. I was like, I'll fucking debate you anywhere, any motherfucking time. Oh, I'd love to see that. Okay? And the sustainability myth, okay, of the grass-fed and free-range and all that bullshit about the, the resources needed to produce that, watch a movie called Cowspiracy. The sustainability myth, because all of that bullshit is exactly what it is. It's a myth. I got you. So what he's saying is correct on a very small scale, like a cute little farm in Maine. But as far as 350 million people, there's not enough grass. Un un unsustainable. As a matter of fact, he did a graph and that whole fucking thing that every city, every mountain range from all the way North America to the end of South America would have to be covered in grass. The cities, the mountains, everything. Knock down the cities for... The United, for just this fucking country alone to eat a, a, a grass-fed beef diet, so they say, <laughs> every fucking thing would have to be flattened from the tip of motherfucking Canada all the way to the tip of South America. Nothing but grass, just for this country alone to be able to eat that kind of a beef diet. 
Ding, ding, so ding, look, ding. John Joseph wins the fight with I'm Gavin McInnes. I'm just saying. Not bad. It was look, a good fight. And then if you bring into the compassion aspect, go fucking visit a slaughterhouse. Go see what the fuck they do to these animals. It's not, I got into it for several reasons. And the number one reason was out of compassion. That, what, what does it teach? Ahimsa. The, the first practice of spiritual practice is nonviolence. You should try to live a nonviolent lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying... Because you tried it and it wasn't dude, very Dude, I'm fun. not saying... Listen, I was never a bully. If people stepped to me, then they got fucking hemmed up. That's just the way... That's the way New York was. That's the way I was raised. That's still to this day. I'm not... All that corny turn the other cheek bullshit. If you fucking smack me, I'm going to fucking kick you in the face. That's still to this fucking day. That's the way I live. Don't start none, there won't be none. I live by the law of New York City. But that don't mean that I should support an industry... That's fucking killing billions of fucking animals unnecessarily. Not only is it doing that, and then you take into the fact of what it's doing to the environment. And then you take into fact what it's doing to people's health. So every bit of research that I've ever done, and I'm well-researched in it, I've been doing this for 35 years, proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that eating a plant-based diet is, is the way to go. People and, should check out your book, Meat is for yeah. Pussies, to discuss that. And and just before we go, we're way and, over, and but I, I don't want to stop. I, don't I just want to say one thing. Okay. I threw that title out there because of every fucking meathead that worked out in gyms. Ooh, I got to eat fucking 40 chicken fucking legs to be, get my protein and telling me that people that don't eat meat are pussies. So... That's why that shit got thrown back in their face because I'm like, all right, motherfucker, what's so manly about having this shit in a colostomy bag or taking Viagra because <laughs> your dick don't work no more because you're clogging the main vein? And that's what the animal cholesterol does to you 100% as well, you the, age in the life. The title, Meat is for Pussies, is in dude vernacular. That's how guys talk. It's a triple but entendre. Got, <clears throat> I thought we were going to talk about that the whole show, but we will just wrap up with a brief uh, conversation about that where... You got in shit because that scene is sexist. And people who say that, first of all, they're bourgeois and they don't get how normal people talk. But secondly, let me explain a pussy to you people out there. A pussy is a soft, nice, delicate little orchid that you want to lick, maybe put your penis in, right? <laughs> Smell, touch. It's beautiful and soft. That's an insult to a dude. If I say, hey, you, you're a soft, beautiful little orchid that I want to lick. Okay, so you can insult a guy and call him a pussy without insulting vaginas. Right. No one wants to be a woman's orifice. That doesn't mean we don't like women's orifices. Yeah, I mean, I caught so much shit, as you said, like from the whole female, vegan, Nazi, fucking feminist fucking <laughs> crew that I'm like, first of all, I don't I know you think you have fucking testicles, but it's a book for dudes. It says it right on the yeah. cover. So, yeah, they, they, they told everybody, don't buy the book. I'm a fucking sexist and this and that. I'm like, bitch, you don't know the first thing about me. You should just shut the fuck up. And that's why I don't even get down with a lot of the vegan people because they're all elitists. And I'm not down with that. I'm down with the common Joe. I come from the streets. I put the book in the fucking tone of dudes on the street. And if they don't like it, I don't give a fuck because I've been doing this longer than them. Half these motherfuckers go the half these motherfuckers go back to eat meat anyway because they're just doing it to make themselves 
feel better than everybody else and, and have a superiority complex. Oh, yeah. And it's so PC, this world. You can't say anything nowadays without somebody putting their fucking two cents in it and commenting where it's like, dude, I don't really give a fuck or miss. I don't give a fuck what you got to say. Well, you're the most moral guy I know. You're a fucking Krishna. You're, you don't eat anything that's not a plant. And then they start cannibalizing you. So the left is so desperate for bad guys that they start cannibalizing and eating their own. Yeah. Which, by the way, is eating meat. Hey, let me tell you something right now. This book has gotten more fucking, like, A-type personality tough motherfuckers that these people could never reach with their like ew vegan fucking message <laughs> uh, you know don't kill don't hurt you know don't don't talk swear words it's like fuck these people i don't care about them because if you re you know it's even like rory freeman she put out the book skinny bitch they all fucking attacked her for that that book has helped millions of girls save their lives and fucking eat healthier food and, and work out and do all this shit. My whole thing is I say judge something by the result. If the result is that the shit help people, I'm all for it. So that just shows where these people's real shit is at. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about the solution. They just want to be the ones with the fucking answers and fuck everybody else. That's why I told them all, fuck you. Even my publisher started saying, maybe you should, you know, write an op-ed piece apologizing. I said, I'm not apologizing for shit. First of all, you know, I they were so cool with me come using the title that I'm not apologizing for nothing. You know, right. I, I was like, I'm not fucking apologizing to these people. Because then what's next? Apologize for cursing. Apologize for saying no, it's, that I'm it, against like the murder ISIS. of fucking... They're like ISIS. They're like extremists. Like, they yeah, need more they apologies. And I'm just like, yo, fuck you. I'm from New York. Fuck you. Get over it. If you don't like it, just fucking stay the fuck away from me. You know, it's what I tell dudes, too, that everybody now with the Internet and everybody has a voice and it's like and 99% and of these motherfuckers don't need to be heard. That's right. the whole problem because they ain't got shit to say. So, you know what I tell them? Go fucking bark your shit somewhere else because I don't really give a fuck. That's, you know, perfect. That's a perfect ending. Beautiful. John, thanks for coming. <laughs> Very enlightening argument. I did not know we needed that much grass to feed uh, grass feed cattle. I got to go back to the drawing board. Cowspiracy. I'm telling you, watch that movie. Cowspiracy. Please check out John's books, Meat is for Pussies the and Walking The Evolution Tour. of a Cro-Magnon. Also, make sure you check out The Walking Tour, a fascinating history of New York's most fascinating time. And it's not Rocks just... Off rocks .com. Rocks off dot com. Rocksoff.com. R-O-C-K-S. Right? Yeah, no rocksoft.com. Get your rocks off. Thanks, guys.